Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now is the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the Lightbulb Moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck. Hi there, my name is Ganika Penham. And I'm Varika Penham. We're sisters and the co-founders of Ida. If you're an entrepreneur or a new and upcoming brand, discover customer and audience insights about your product niche at thinkida.com because we are where your customers are. As founders of Ida, we've immersed ourselves in the startup world and become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship. We've learned a lot along the way and still are. And now we want to share that with you, our listeners. Whether you're already a savvy business owner, just getting started, or an aspiring entrepreneur, you are in the right place. Join us as we journey through the ahas, the oh no's, the why me's, the ups and downs, and those serendipitous moments when something clicks and it all falls into place. Welcome to the Lightful Moment Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Lightful Moment Podcast. This is Varika. And this is Ganika. And we're here with Dinesh, founder of Incredible Eats, who was also on Shark Tank recently. And we're so, so excited to have him on the podcast uh, because his episode of Shark Tank, which you must watch, we'll link it down below in the show notes, is so incredible, truly, no pun intended. And we're just super excited to have this conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Dinesh. Thanks, Warika and Ganika. Nice. It's nice to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. And um, we'd love to know your journey with Incredible Eats, but like from watching your Shark Tank pitch and stuff, I know you're so passionate about this cause. So I'd love to start there and like what got you uh, passionate about like sustainability and actually like maybe to listeners who don't know if you could explain what Incredible Eats is in your own words as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the entire journey started about in 2017. Um, I was pretty tired after the days of work. So I took my kids to an ice cream shop. Um, and we had a lot of fun there. I mean, we loved that. I mean, we generally go there a lot, and then we had a good ice cream, and we, we threw the spoons and the cups into the bin. Suddenly, it struck me, like, it's, a, it's I would say it's a lightning moment, um, a realization. I looked into the bin, there are hundreds and thousands of plastic spoons and cups there. It, w- one question popped up in my mind. Why didn't I think twice to use a plastic spoon for just for 10 minutes if it's gonna be in this planet for hundreds of thousands of years. So that disturbed me a bit. I was like, the point was, we all know about plastic pollution, especially being an educated person and being, being in, the, in the US and being aware of the plastic and all, watching all the, all the documentaries about plastic pollution or climate change and all that stuff. But my question was, why aren't we acting on it? Yeah, we hear about it, we feel sad about it, but why during our actions when we go to when we go to the next takeout or when we go to the next ice cream shop or any place why aren't we thinking about that and say hey why am i doing it or like without without giving it a thought so that was the main question that disturbed me for some time then i went back and researched on plastic pollution i was super scared when i heard that uh, we are already consuming a credit card sized microplastics per week on average every human consumes that oh my gosh yeah because what happened was for, for for about five to six decades, we've been dumping plastic in the ocean and ocean is just churning it and giving giving it back to us in the form of like food, air, literally sea breeze also has microplastics right now. So it's basically ocean is giving back what we gave it. 
the last few de- decades and that scared me because i have a 7 year old son and a 3 year old daughter right now and it still scares me if it's so bad right now and we're not even that aware of it how bad it would be for my kids or like the other future generations how are they going to live how are they going to drink how are they going to drink how are they going to eat um and, and we're not stopping anywhere i i covid actually made it worse the plastic consumption so so that's the actually story behind my startup and i've decided okay let, i have to find the best alternative to plastic first i went and researched what exists in the market i saw there's compostable cutlery made with from pla corn and other 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 you know fibers plant fibers but then i realized as i went dig deeper they're actually more greenwashed materials rather than doing good for the planet so literally if you do not send it to an industrial composting facility it won't biodegrade no matter what it'll still it'll sit in the landfills for hundreds of years so it's not doing the right thing and i actually went to composting facilities and i asked them hey how how good are you accepting i mean how well are you accepting the compostable cutlery they said they hate the cutlery because it's very hard for them to sort between plastic and non plastic or plastic or compostable so there were so many challenges there too so they literally divert the entire cutlery part back to the landfill and people are unaware unaware of this so mm-hmm. that's when i felt bad okay there has to be a better solution for this then i came across a company back in india like about 3 4 years ago they became very famous for edible spoons edible cutlery then i tried to approach them and i asked them what's going on there and then they said they they actually close i mean they're out of business because they couldn't scale the facility or they couldn't automate the facility that's when i decided okay it's time to actually automate or machineite uh, like make make it possible make edible cutlery possible for two reasons one it's obviously it's you can eat it and it's it adds that fun fun moment to it and it comes back to my question where if i am given an option of an edible spoon versus a plastic plastic spoon in an ice cream store i will definitely choose an edible spoon it's for true. two reasons yeah for two reasons for one it's fun it's innovative and two i know i'm i'm helping the planet by not using another plastic spoon so it makes me think so the point was to make you think right so like literally when compostable cutlery came and no one thought about the yeah they say they they thought okay yeah this this company is good so they're giving me compostable spoons but it still doesn't make you think why why are we using this plastic or a single use compostable cutlery too so i want people to think at at a at a point of contact where you actually utilize these or you spend use a lot of plastic and uh, that's when i actually tried to find out another manufacturer or who can actually make edible cutlery possible so i went to gujarat i used my paternity leave to actually shop around in like in asia like i went to malaysia china yeah, and india also there a lot of places i tried to find people who were actually doing the same thing first i want to make sure i didn't want to step on someone else who's already doing it i want to work with them so i met cruel he's in gujarat actually he was also on the same path as as i as i was he was trying to find the better alternative and he he also tried to explore edible cutlery then he he actually was a mechanical engineer by background and i'm an electrical engineer a designer by background so he he said he can actually invest his time and money on making the machine and i also helped him so we together after about one year of research and development we finally made a process a machine and a process or a design that actually can scale or can manufacture edible cutlery at scale so once we i mean that's how the journey started and now that's what it is so for people or for listeners at incredible eats is a company which where where we make edible spoons edible sporks and soon edible straws and edible chopsticks are coming out like early next Yay. year wow yeah, yeah. and oh, all these and all these all these products are completely edible yes you can eat your spoon after eating with it uh, they're a little hard because you want to make sure you eat with it first and then <laughs> and then the 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 it becomes soft as you eat with it and then you eat it after and even if you don't have the appetite to eat it it's food so it composes like food so there's no it's uh, by the way it's it's vegan it's all natural it's made with non gm grains um and yeah it has some flavors like vanilla chocolate oregano and black pepper wow that's pretty cool and i have to say my mom is one of the biggest like environmentally friendly people in our house she would always yell at us for like throwing plastic you know using a lot of tissue like anything like that she's just always been so conscious she recycles uh she reuses plastic cuz she thinks that it she has a point you know it's going it's adding up and stuff um and also probably this is like you know her immigrant indian mom coming out where she like saves some of the plastic spoons and stuff cuz she thinks yep. it's like really bad throw it out all the time mm-hmm. yeah yeah that happens if you if you if you go back to our i mean at least i i'm an immigrant here too i just moved in 12 years ago 
so when i was a young kid in india when i go i have some street food it was always in a in a leaf and given with a palm spoon so it was never but now if i go back they are giving me in a plastic plate and a plastic spoon unfortunately so if, if we hardly used it but because plastic seeped into our life so much we are not we are kind of got accustomed to it and it's very hard to get out of it see i i keep telling my folks like at least my i only have one person in my team like it, the problem with our product is one is cost because it's kind of expensive compared to a plastic spoon and the other is we are trying to change the behavior of people that's a little hard to do it's not that easy yeah so it's it's not just about a product yes you will it's very easy to sell it the first time because people want to try it because it's fun and unique and innovative but i want them to try, use it whenever they go to the, like for example i want people to buy a box of spoons and keep them keep it in the car so whenever they go into the next ice cream shop they they take the spoon along with them and since it's edible you can eat it or throw it it doesn't matter you don't have to wash it because a lot of times reusable cutlery doesn't work because you have this you either forget it or even if you have it in your car you go take use it and you have to you'll have to find a way to wash it out mm-hmm. so all these there are some challenges there i mean that's still the best way by the way compared to an edible spoon i would still prefer a reusable spoon because there's energy that's involved to make edible spoons too so but what i'm trying to say is yeah uh if people i want people to use this as a replacement rather than just thinking it's a fun unique item i just want to try it once because that's the hard part yeah then that brings me to my next um question um we are seeing a shift in consumer preference towards more sustainable uh, products right because people are using reusable straws they're carrying it with them um they're trying to be more cautious with their paper bags and stuff we are seeing a small shift in consumer behavior however we are very much heavily in the use and throw culture uh, yep. to your point everybody's heavily using plastic spoons and you know plastic containers that are very use and throw even with our clothing and stuff and nobody really thinks about it because it's you know it's so heavily part of our culture so what i want to know here is like how is our learning curve like for the consumer even though we're seeing a shift i am assuming that this is very early yep um yep. so you know how is the learning curve um it would take time first it's like this i all, i i have uh, after 2 years of you know tr- me trying to sell uh, edible spoons and asking people to replace plastic one thing i re- realized was in a simple statement companies want or corporations or companies want people to change people want companies to change and investors just want their money and this <laughs> this this whole this whole thing got in this vicious cycle and the planet is left behind so yeah. my whole point is it's all three people investors have to invest in companies which which help the planet i mean not just for pr purposes that's my biggest concern here they make a lot of noise for small things that they do like simply i don't want to pick any names but there are big companies who come and say hey i will reduce my plastic consumption by 2050 with the money they have they don't have to wait till 2050 to do it no but but people are just happy when people say that and someone when when company comes out and says that oh like oh these companies very great they're trying to be very sustainable conscious and all that but but the reality is with the amount of money that they have and the resources that they have that's a long time that's a very long time so, yeah. so and by the day, i i don't know if you guys watched the show by john oliver um the last week tonight on hbo he had the segment on plastic pollution or plastic consumption and i loved one of the statement of his he said that most of the big corporations love to recycle their claims but not their plastic like oh, wow. like yeah they they would have long back said hey in 1990 or 2000 in 2000 they would have said hey by 2020 i'll do this and by by the time 2020 comes they'll say hey by 2050 i'll add some more and do this more it's it's different it's just for pr or i mean by the way I'm, i might be wrong too i'm 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 just telling you what i think what i have seen so far so i might not know the complete details what happens in, within the com corporation or anything but that that kind of saddens me because corporations are thinking in that way and people are like hey there's only so much that i can do i want government to come and act corporations to act but but why aren't we thinking twice to buy their product so our actions don't reflect what we keep saying or what we keep mm. thinking about so so that's the second hurdle that i see and obviously I, as i mentioned investors are again everyone wants a 10x return one of the biggest <laughs> challenges i had as a startup to raise investment was i put a slide saying i'm this is i'm planning to give you 100 times the impact return and only give you two or two three times the investment return i want to be direct to them i don't want to raise hopes and say hey i am not taking your money my margins are so slim 
I, I, I am just trying to do my best to reduce my goal. My first goal is to reduce 100 million plastic uh, utensils by 2025. Um, I just met two million, two and a half million so far. So yeah, Yay. but still, I'm, I'm, yeah, thanks. I'm pushing towards it. But say, see, that's the, I mean, investors love, like, like a lot of people, like, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people think more about money than about health. And again, they love to spend on health, but not take care of health to not spend anymore. So, so, so it's it's a it's a little bit of uh, skewed, and I think we got just so biased, so used to it. So, can you believe something like yeah, something like plastic got so rubbed onto us that we just got used to it, and we're not even thinking about it. Not just you, or, like anyone else, even me, right? How come I didn't have this question the last ten years or twelve years since I've been using plastic? I felt bad. I felt I, I felt guilty that okay, in the last twelve years, I haven't thought about this. Yeah, and you know, you said that one of your goals with the Shark Tank episode is to make people think, Dinesh. And I would say you were really successful in that, at least with me, because I feel like your episode and just like this conversation with you is making me think so much. Um, and I feel super guilty now because I don't think twice. Like I'm really afraid to admit that, but I'm like. You know, I just haven't been at that aware and um, you're totally right about like reusable um, utensils because like I have all these reusable straws, but I, I don't use them because I can't wash them if I like take them out, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, but you've definitely, definitely made me think and um, I, I can just like hear the passion in your voice. So that's really incredible. Um, and I wanted to ask you like, you know, more about um, the sustainability initiative that you're also driving with Incredible Eats. I noticed like. Um, when you check out, um, there's like this kind of prompt to plant a tree. That so tree, I wanted to know, yes. like, are you, yeah, are you partnering with someone to do that? Um, tell me more. I'd love to hear. Yeah. So uh, when I started my, the startup, I mean, initially it was completely about the product. And once we have the MVP, once the product was finalized and all that stuff in the in the initial beginnings, the second thing was, as I mentioned, I've already seen all these big corporations. They grow so big and then they want to act on it. And, but I didn't want to do that. So that's another reasons why my margins are so slim because I want to make sure each and every step of my process is helping the planet or at least not hurting the planet. Mm-hmm. So I went through, okay, during the manufacturing, electricity is used. Where is that electricity coming from? How can I switch to oh, solar energy? And the people whom we employ, how, how do we make sure only the very, very, like, you know, people who live under $5 a day, only those people are employed. And beyond that, uh, what do what do you do what do we do with the waste like factory makes waste right i mean not all the spoons come out correctly there's some wastage involved so what do we do with the wastage so we signed up with some pens in the local uh, in the in, in india and and try to give give they give us food to animals stray animals and pens there so and beyond that okay once the product is made in india now it's coming to the us yes there's a huge carbon offset now or carbon emissions right now so what do i do i need to offset it but then it didn't it didn't it's like, okay, every, I mean, I wanted to be different. I wanted to show my passion in my product. So I went a, a step further and said, I just don't want to offset it. I want to double my offsets. So for like every, like um, a ton of carbon emitted, carbon carbon dioxide that's emitted because of this travel, we actually try to work with a third party green print. It's a company called Impact Collective. Green print has this uh, program called Impact Collective and they calculate per product how much of this offsets or how much of plastic is used and they compensate it by uh, working with some partners that they have. So we actually plant trees to double the offset. So it's like we are certified carbon and plastic negative. And, And beyond that, right? If you have some pallets coming from India to here, they wrap it in plastic. So there's a small tape, a small plastic tape on the top of the box. So we actually weighed down all this and we made sure twice the amount of plastic is picked up from the ocean back to the earth and recycled into something else. So yeah. every every single step, I wanted to make sure that it, it it's not hurting the planet, no matter what. Even in the US, every shipment has to be carbon negative. And that truly shows your passion, I must say. That's that like you're really thinking about every single step being environmentally friendly and socially responsible. I mean, you're not even leaving anything to error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because I see that my my foundation was that, and I didn't want to go away from that, no matter mm-hmm. what. Yes, it might. I might save a little more money. I might make a few more cents of profit, but that's okay. It's it's. See, I, as I mentioned, right, I have a job. I'm content with what I have. So what, what what do I what else do I need? I, I I keep telling this to people. I have no intention to become a millionaire or a billionaire. I have zero intentions. 
as long as I'm happy with what I have, why should I worry, worry about more money, right? It just gives me more headache to maintain that. <laughs> <laughs> your happiness uh, yeah. is infectious, Dinesh. Like yeah, you're, uh, it's you. infectious. It really is. And like I was saying before, like it's truly inspiring to hear you talk about this. And it does make you question your own habits. And I hope like at least one person that is listening, uh, you know, is changes their habits because of this um, becomes a little bit more environmentally conscious i think that we have achieved um, a big goal today thank you that that yeah that would be a good thing to happen too and beyond that i mean see i didn't really think about money since the starting because when uh, by the way just an interesting fact is i came to came back to the us once the product is made and we have the machinery figured out and all that so Krivel took care of the manufacturing unit there and i came back to the us and i wanted to sell this as an engineer, I didn't know how to sell this because I didn't have the background. I'm not from the food industry. So I signed up for this nine trade shows across the 2019, like almost every month I went to a trade show, but it's a small trade shows. So these are not like super expensive, the big ones, just like local ones within Oregon or within California or within North Carolina and all these places. And they're very reasonably priced. And some places I literally went and begged them saying, hey, this is very good for your show, very good for the planet. Please give me a free booth or at least give me a discount. So I was trying to be very frugal there. Then what happened, my first show was uh, like two weeks after I got the product back in my hand. I had this cater source in New Orleans. So this is a pretty good show there where a lot of caterers come there. I went there. I didn't know what to, how to even go to a show. I just went there with a suitcase of like a few spoons and some paper printouts. I didn't even have a nice um, brochures or any of these flyers or anything. I went there. Everyone had a nice booth with the, like good chairs, a lot of uh, a lot of messaging behind and all that stuff. And I didn't have anything. I just went to Walmart, rented out a table and a couple of <laughs> chairs. I put some, put some spoons on the table, a few papers, and there's nothing behind me too. It was just an empty booth, literally. And then uh, I got one caterer in Canada. He came and ordered 150,000 spoons. That's my first sale of my product. Oh my gosh, class. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, thanks. So that's, that was my... Conf it, it sealed my confidence that yeah this is possible it's not just okay there are people who are looking for something like this but my bigger concern was i didn't have the facility to do that i didn't have the res resources <laughs> or even the machinery to do that so i came back home i spoke with my wife we sold my home in california i used all my house sales proceeds to build the facility in india and that's how we fulfilled that order wow oh my god i got chills <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. amazing you truly committed to this mission. There's like no yeah, room left. Yeah, I went all in. I, I all my you savings. You went all in. And, yeah, I went all in. Yes, yes. And thank my wife to agree to that for agreeing to that. It's not very easy <laughs> to, you know. <laughs> she, yeah, she sounds amazing too. Yeah, especially with two young kids, it's a pretty hard decision to make. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great that she was so supportive and um, that you really committed to that instead of like you know postponing it or canceling the order or all the other things yeah. you could have done yeah mm -hmm. which leads me to um one of the things that i wanted to ask you and i feel like if any of our listeners is going into this market they would want to know a little bit more about like your manufacturing journey i know you touched it a little bit there but like what is the hardest part about going into this um this sector so if you do not have a big IP, I mean, if, it's, if your recipe is your IP, it's not like a secret. You can't really protect the recipe that much um, in the food industry. Uh, if you don't really have an IP, the best way to go is to go like find a good co-packer. They have their own challenges. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. They have their own big challenges, but it's at least uh, you don't have to worry about the manufacturing headache. No matter what, manufacturing is pretty big like responsibility, I would say because of the quality checks, the registrations, or like a lot of these uh, food safety certifications that you have to go through. That was mm -hmm. very challenging actually, because it's, I think I spent close to $100,000 just for certifications. Wow. Uh, because you'd have to also ship it to the US, right? Not, not just that. I mean, some of the larger companies expect you to have those certifications, but they won't take mm -hmm. the product without those. Mm -hmm. So, and again, you're also confident that, yeah, this has the highest food safety standards, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty expensive there if you, I mean, if you want to go towards your own manufacturing, I meant to say. Um, and yeah, I did explore to find if I can build something in the US, but it was super ridiculously expensive. I like, okay, no way, forget it. And since Kruvel was an India who's also co-founder, I said, okay, let him take care of it because he's he has the resources. And Gujarat is one of the states in India which has a lot of food industry. Like most of the milk in India used in India is made from made in Gujarat, milk or milk oh. products. 
Amul, like for example, if I don't know if you guys heard about the company. Yeah. Amul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's from Gujarat. So there's a lot of food opportunities there. So that's how we grew there, and um, it's in a different company name there. And he's, uh, yeah, he he's he's a great guy. So that's that's how we work together. And yeah, coming back to the U.S. side of it, for people who are looking for it, if you, if you like again, the reason why we mentor with our own manufacturing is I can go to a co-packer and say, hey, do this for me. But then we want to protect our IP, right? Because the process is what made this possible. It's not like about the recipe or the flours or the grains or anything like that. It's the process. So that process, we wanted to keep it a secret till we get the patents applied or patent approved. So mm-hmm. that was one of the talks in Shark Tank too, but they cut it out. But yeah, there's a lot of discussions on the technology, but yeah, it, they just showed the product part, but the technology uh-huh. part was also there. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that reminds me, so definitely we have to talk about your Shark Tank experience. But before we get there, I wanted to ask you, um, because I recently saw that you got this very exciting partnership at an event with Dippin' Dots. Yeah, uh, which yep. is awesome. Um, that has <laughs> that is always a childhood favorite of ours. Like uh, yes. when we go to like the zoo or like a theme park, like that's where you could get Dippin' Dots. So we really look forward to it. Yeah, I was yep. just thinking that. Oh, the zoo days. Oh, please <laughs> go ahead. Tell us about Dippin' Dots. I mean, we're it's it's our favorite here, so we want to know more about um, you know, what they're doing with you. Nice, nice. Yeah, sure. So actually, I started working with Dippin' Dots even before Shark Tank, um, like about six months ago. And uh, thankfully, their upper management was pretty flexible to work with us and to, you know, to at least, they, we, they did a lot of sampling to and fro and all that. Then they decided to bring me on board to a show called Ayapa. It's actually a show where all the amusement industry, all the zoos, all the aquariums, all the all the Disney's, all the Universal's, all the, all all these basically amusement industry, right? Even the local ones, Hershey Park, and even in, in California, Six Flags, all these guys come there. So they come as and find the new products or meet their vendors and all that stuff. So Dippendorf was like very gracious enough to invite us there, and we put a small like in that same booth we had some small space to actually pitch our spoons, and it was well very well received, and. Um, and like we are actually starting conversations with some of their customers. I can't disclose all of the names, but yeah. So we 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 started some discussions. And Dippendots itself, for their franchisees in the malls and all that, yeah, we we, I have, we they have a meeting like early next year, and we'll be working, we'll be talking to their franchisees, and they'll be pitching the product across across the chain. So hopefully, if everything goes well, by by mid of next year or something like that, you'll see the spoons with all the with as much as many Dippendots as possible. That's amazing. Congrats, yeah. Adunesh. That's you. really good to hear. Yeah, but um, it was, it was. by the way, this is not, uh, to be frank, right? I started with three ice cream chain companies in 2019. And yeah. finally, one went through. So it's a big, it's it's not an easy process. Yeah, it, it, it it's not, it's not an easy process because the larger the company, the harder it is to get in. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, yeah. Just like working B2B, that's like, that must be so hard, but this seems like a really good way to reach your impact goal of a hundred million, right? Um, yeah. Yep. And you you won't believe that hundred million number came from a single day of consumption just in the U.S. Oh. What the? Yeah. Yeah. And COVID made it a thirty percent increase. So right right now people mm-hmm. are using about hundred and thirty million plastic utensils per day just in the U.S. Shit. You know, that's kind of odd to me because we're more at home and we know when you're at home, you you know, you, you tend no, to no, use you a do lot takeouts, right? You do takeouts, uh, right? Your takeouts yeah. have not reduced. <laughs> okay. That's true. The COVID-15. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, I wouldn't say 30% of just plastic utensils, but overall because of the PPEs or the gloves mm-hmm. and the masks and all that included. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, But that's awesome from like, your first sale for about 150,000 units. So now um, that is quite the journey, especially in two years, which honestly, it seems like a short time frame. I know you've worked very hard to get to this yeah. huge impact goal in two years because with one of those years being COVID, right? Like, tell me how that yeah. was with you not being able to go to trade shows and stuff. Yeah, that was very challenging. By the way, when I started, I observed what, I mean, obviously I understood as B2B and B2C, and mm-hmm. I wanted to only do B2B. I didn't have any retail box to sell it to a regular, like a direct consumer, because I thought they can use a reusable stainless steel with them. 
it's not that it's not that that important in the sense i know that there are some cases like if they want to make a have a party at home or even they're going to go for a hike or a picnic they they would they would have loved to use these i know that there's a small market there but my majority of my fo- emphasis or focus was on the b2b because i want a chain to change because that that gives me my impact goal Mm-hmm. So I approached that. That's one of the biggest reasons why we didn't spend any marketing and all that. We just went to trade shows, met people. I literally met three thousand people to understand how food industry works. So, yeah, it was all. It was all and and while working, right? And so I, I, my yeah. toughest challenge, my toughest challenge was in the trade shows. Like from nine to five, I stand I stand on in a booth, and at at six o'clock I go back and do my work for the next six hours. So that was my toughest uh, time actually because I had to manage both. Would you say trade shows is where you met most of these like yes uh, yes yes industry? okay yes I would definitely recommend anyone coming to the food industry the CPG industry to visit trade shows at least even if it's too expensive to go get a booth at least visit them you will learn a ton of stuff there that's where I learned I mean, otherwise how would an engineer from a electronic background or a design ELSI <laughs> background understand how to sell food product right how would I know you can't learn that on Google or an MBA. Yeah, That's you meet true. you you meet people or you talk with them, or ask questions. Yeah, so again, so coming back to that question, right? So we did pretty well in most of the trade shows. We won a lot of awards. If you look into our Incredible Eats media section, you'll see all the awards that we won, and you won't believe that one of the award only actually caught the eye of Shark Tank, and they approached us. That's how it came. It came into oh. being. I I didn't approach them because I know that I was an immigrant, so I won't I won't be qualified. But they approached me after winning uh, the the best product in the winter fancy food show in san francisco so it nice yeah anyways coming back to that i was am completely focusing on b2b i was actually in talks with two of these large chains of ice creams i can't disclose because it is still under nda it's not public yet um and uh, covid cap like one of the one of the big chains they're very premium ice cream chain in the us they started a trial in uh, february of 2020 it was a successful trial they wanted to continue and expand it to other places and make it public but unfortunately march for march first week or second week the whole world i mean at least the entire us got shut down and that stopped the project with uh, with them and us that hit me pretty mm. hard because i was actually hoping for that to happen to you know by the way till then my only expenditure was trade show expenditure nothing else i didn't spend a penny on facebook ads or any ads mm-hmm. zero um and uh, it was all i mean my my savings which are coming from my job is what i spent on my trade shows and all that stuff just like there's nothing like yeah. there's no money that i got raised and everything and another interesting that thing that you you guys might like us there was this very famous singer i can't disclose her name because again of nda <laughs> uh she's very famous uh, recently she became super famous actually and she she actually went to one of the trade late night shows and she said that she wants to make her 2020 concerts without plastic and all that once once i heard that i wanted to approach her i tried to contact some pr agencies but they were super expensive and they said they can't guarantee that the, the message will go to her so i was upset and then i decided to go on my linkedin and start searching so every single day for almost 2 months i tried to find her manager's contact oh i spent 20, 20 20 minutes a day i spent to find the contact of her manager yeah and every day for 2 months for 20 minutes so once i did that i finally found uh, the name and i some of his old companies and i just mess i just mixed up their email like first name dot last last name or first letter last letter at at that old companies and all that stuff i tried to send some emails i spent sent some i made some 50 email accounts myself and i sent them sent a mail <laughs> saying hey this and so and so actually it went and hit to the right person and i got a reply within 3 days saying send me a pitch and within 3 oh months within 3 months after that we sold 10000 spoons to one of our concerts once new at madison square garden in new york But but That's unfortunately, that concert concert got cancelled because of COVID. So oh, it was no. like <laughs> COVID. I swear, party pooper all the way along. Yeah. Anyway, so that was a pretty challenging thing, and it's it was an interesting journey because I was able to it 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 happened. I mean, something I believe is. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take care of nature, so nature will give me the luck that I need. So I kind of believe in that. The karma yeah. part, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so. that and then actually the reason why we moved into retail was TJ Maxx right now we are about in 800 stores across the US oh, um, cool. so i a lot of retail chains like the bigger bigger guys like whole foods and other other these uh, retail chains came and asked like initially asked if they if i if i'm making a retail pack to put it on the shelf but then when i went through the this is another important like at least lesson i learned being in the CPG 
it's super expensive to be on a shelf of a product because they have their own wholesale margin they have their own distributor margin there are so much of ads when they expect you to do and they have to you have to give them free product free fills you have to take back the product if it doesn't get sold and you have to pay for taking it back it's a ton of money every single step is so expensive there when i when i went through that journey and understood how it works i was like how are how are products even making money yeah yeah. Shops, right? yeah yeah so that and again but i also answered my question when i first stepped into the us i looked into the grocery store and i saw a vast amount of products here i had like i was like oh, how are these people selling so much product i mean coming from india it was so new to me i never got mm-hmm. used to such a big store with so many items in there so now i understood why they make money because each and every product they, these wholesalers have a lot of margin almost 50 to 60 percent of the margin Oh, wow. So yeah, so literally a a one dollar product is getting sold at eight dollars because of all these different margins inside. And the manufacturer is not making that much either way. So it's what I'm trying to say. I, when I went through this journey, it was very challenging. I was like, this this won't work out that much unless it, you become a commodity, you become like a staple, like a chips or something like that. So that's that scared me, and I said, okay, I, I'm not going to go into retail till till I understand it completely, till I make enough money so that I can spend money in, instead of in, getting investment money and all that stuff. So once I uh, in during that winter fancy food show, TJ Maxx approached us and said, hey, uh, we want to you know try to put your product in our stores. Then I I I openly asked that same question to the buyer. Hey, this is the whole journey that a retail thing happens. I don't have that much margin to, you know, you know, make it possible. And I don't want to sell 20 spoons at like $12 at a store with beside a plastic spoon box, which is like only $2 for 20 spoons. It's, it's, it, it will be ridiculous. So uh, that that's when the TJ Maxx said, hey, don't worry about all that. We are different from regular retail. We are more like a treasure hunt experience and that's what i know also actually i personally been to tj maxx you don't mm-hmm. go to a tj maxx or a home goods with a shopping list you go there to find some some weird <laughs> stuff and get it product, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly so but if you go to a grocery st- if you go to a grocery store you will you will go with a list right you'll be like okay i want milk i want cheese i want you know you go with a list you don't generally go and look in each and every aisle and each and every product that much so that's something that clicked. It's like, okay, yeah, TJ Maxx might be different because it doesn't have enough food products and people look for new things. So they might find this instead of me spending money on advertisements. So they said, hey, we'll, we're ready to order whenever it's ready. So actually COVID gave me that time, that, that, uh, that what do you call it? That dull time in B2B for me to mm-hmm. em- emphasize on B2C. So I went back to my study, I read some books because I, when I went to try to find some design agencies, they were super expensive, like oh, 30,000, 40,000 for making your website or for making your packaging and all that stuff. And I decided I'll do it myself because I, I know how these things are done, at least on, not mm-hmm. the design side, but at least the software side of it. So then um, I had my cousin who just graduated from UX uh, from, uh, from Michigan. And then I asked him if he can help me with the design of the package. And he said, yes. And I worked with him for like within six to seven weeks. I read like four or five books to understand how to package, how to actually portray my message to my consumer. Um, like there's some behavioral economics books that are very, very, they were very helpful for me. And we made our own packaging. We made our own website and we went live on website as well as we actually fulfilled the first two containers to TJ Maxx. The COVID helped us pivot from B from B to B to B to C basically. Yeah. I love how yeah. you um, took that opportunity and like use that to get into retail in like a really interesting way. Um, I would love to get some of those book recommendations for our listeners, and then <laughs> yeah, a couple of couple of them out of my top of my head. I mean, it's been a while, but yeah, one is Contagious. I forgot the author's name. So apologies for the author. Uh, one is Contag- yeah, Contagious. The other one is actually a course by by a Duke professor called Dan Ariely on behavioral economics. That course helped me a lot. It basically basically made me understand how to use the irrationality side of humans to change the behavior. So like if you see my boxes, you will see a fun fact of an aquatic animal. So that is supposed to trigger that irrational belief or like the, the mind saying that, hey, okay, our, our neighbors in the ocean are getting affected by plastic. Mm-hmm. But but obviously not making gloomy, but it's make it fun fact, but but that will automatically trigger the reason why you're buying the product. So something like these, yeah, one the one was contagious, the other one was, uh, yeah, how to influence people by Dale Carnegie. That's also an amazing book. 
so that was also i actually that helped me how to talk to people like initially i never knew or like i wouldn't say i was not that smooth i didn't know how to attract by <laughs> just talking to people so that that book helped me how to be super sorry if you made a mistake and how to be super nice you know when you're trying yeah. to make a conversation and all that stuff so that book really helped me as well and a couple of course works as i mentioned like on accounting and finances also both on the coursera so these these were some of the helpful topics that i had yeah um yeah that's those are the, yeah just look for the top books on behavioral economics you'll find i think contagious as well be one of them and there will be another yeah. book i forgot the other the name of the other book <laughs> i can get back to you yeah we'll definitely put that in the show notes um that's super super cool and i think that's genius actually the fun fact like if i'm thinking about it like that would also trigger me to buy it i feel yeah. <laughs> um now can, when can we expect to see um the product in tj max is it already there uh actually it was getting consistently sold out so i'm right now wow. in this, uh, yeah so i'm right now in the problem with inventory because of again the logistics supply chain logistics has been pretty a big nightmare because the product is made in india it has to come here and all that stuff and another reason why the stock was very minimal was uh, initially the first two years i intentionally didn't sell a lot that's one of the biggest questions in shark tank if you because a lot of companies that go to shark tank they have like a million, like mm-hmm. at least an average million dollars in sales we only had 200000 dollars in sales so that was a big question they they grilled me i it was like i was there for like 95 minutes people think it's only 15 20 minute show but it's actually 90 to 21 20 minutes it's a it's a it's a pretty long well, like grilling that you get from the lot of questions from all the five of them so the reason i did that was this is a first product in a sense this is a new product people don't know about it they don't know what to expect out of it so there's no comparison like if i'm making a new type of cupcake they know what a cupcake must feel like and they can judge whether it's good or bad right but if i'm bringing an edible spoon how do they judge with what with what how do mm-hmm. what do they expect the taste <laughs> out of it so i let it be very organic like you won't believe when we went live on amazon and august september in 2021 uh, sorry 2020 last year so one year it's been almost one year we only spent total amount of ads on social media or amazon ppc or google ads or anything like that we only spent $2000 that's it for the entire year and wow. we we had, we had close to $80000 in revenue that's and, an amazing roi <laughs> and yeah and that's what caught all the four sharks initially they were super upset with my valuation i'm just trying to mix the shark tank in, into this because i went there with the 200k revenue and saying i was asking for you know 5% for five, like 7% for 500000 dollars it's a big valuation they're like why 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 first is one is ip but like the the methodology or the process that we invented and second is i told them i mean got cut but yeah i told them that i only spent 2000 dollars to make this, this this half of the money that i told you or at least the full money because my b2b sales were all through trade shows i didn't do i didn't mm-hmm. spend any spend any money mm-hmm. there so that's what caught their eye that's one of the reasons daniel came back later so because they like a lot of people spend money to get, make money and i didn't want to do that for two reasons one is i wanted to make sure people, the product is loved by the people not just for the sustainability aspect see it's easy to convince like some many of the people just for the through the sustainable or en- environmental friendly aspect of it but that doesn't solve the problem like if you if you notice right now only 20 to 30% of people and most of them are younger generations like you guys or even younger like in the school or in colleges they're mm-hmm. thinking about sustainability eco-friendliness plastic pollution climate change and all that but the rest of the folks which are 80% of the population they're not thinking that much about it as well but what can make them switch from a plastic to this is the taste of the product or the or the actual the functionality of the product Mm-hmm. the fun and uniqueness of the product so i want to make sure people who don't care about plastic to not use plastic because they want to eat an edible spoon and that yeah. will make a bigger impact than i expect so in order to do that i need to revise my product i can't just come with one product and say hey i this is the best product you must buy it i this is the best tasting product i'm i never said that i said okay i completely met, let it be very organic you won't see any messages saying this is tasty or this is eco friendly <laughs> and all that stuff and i want people to give their honest reviews we got hammered with a lot of negative reviews initially because it was too hard to bite after eating with it and also it was uh, the taste was not as up to their expectations because they didn't mm-hmm. have any expect 
expectations to start with by the way so <laughs> what what do they expect out of it right and we also had a small initial hiccup where people thought it's pure chocolate and i said it's a chocolate spoon it's like it melts in your mouth when they put it in the oh. mouth <laughs> yeah I, I, no that's not the point that's not my whole point there so <laughs> all these all these learnings the critique phase it's like you go through a create phase where you create the product then you have to go through a critique phase where you let people criticize your product don't feel bad about it i literally um had uh, I, i literally was so happy when i got my first one star one star review on amazon i was like i want to know what people are thinking yeah. honestly not not because of it's sustainable that's why it's good that, that's that's, that's i mean that's already there attitude towards it yeah that, that's that's already there so we spent almost two years to find the reviews we literally collected 200 negative reviews out of 1000 uh, 1000 reviews that we got so far across the platforms and we understood what was the main problem and we acted on it and we made our 2.0 so if you look at our website incrediblebeats.com you'll see 1.0s and 2.0s so the 2.0s are the product which were improved upon based based on the reviews the negative feedback that got on our 1.0s oh that's really so, cool and that's the reason why i didn't spend money on advertisements because why should i because i wanted I, i the critique phase should not be so expensive i mean at least from my point of view now i have my 2.0s again we only have small spoons right now the large spoons and the spokes are coming up in january the inventory is coming i mean they we're making it right now actually so it will take some time to ship and all that stuff but once they here we'll sell, we'll we will actually crusade that's the third phase where you you actually take investments spend the money on our marketing make sure that it it gets seeped into all the places thankfully i had shark tank and now i have different dots so again nature is giving back the luck fix that i needed yeah. so yeah so that that's the journey that's how i mean i, I went through i was going to ask you what the third c was but thank yeah. you for telling us so it's that's the crusade crusade critique and crusade yeah. <laughs> for any of you that want to know uh great points and there. by the way that that three c's was not from me daniel lubetsky he himself told this on shark tank once in one of the companies oh, yeah wow, yeah okay yeah well rightfully credited then <laughs> That's awesome. And I feel like everything that you say Dinesh has such a unique perspective. Like even your perspective on like taking the critiques and like not spending so much on ads. Like I think we touched a lot on that throughout the episode. Like you not using any Facebook ads, you spending really low amount on the Amazon ads. Um and before we started, we were talking for listeners about ads, right? Um so I would love for you to touch on that because I know um you were saying like how typically people make the mistake of spending so much on ads without even like knowing what the return will be. um yeah so there are two things right one you a lot of times when you don't know about these the ads and the social media is more te- technical side of it and a lot of people who are like like from like you know background is in food industry might not completely understand so they just listen to some agencies or some friends of theirs and say hey you have to spend this much money only then you'll know whether it works or not so from from coming from the technology perspective the, the background that i have and being in the food industry i am trying to take a different approach but i don't know if it works or not again by the way i'm still young in this uh, in this journey mm-hmm. um but but what i would suggest anyone is experiment there's no harm to experiment but start on a slow scale right just don't go bump up your money saying okay i only spent 500 dollars a month and that's why i didn't get much so let me spend 1500 or 2000 dollars a month you know it'll get better response no but and also try to find avenues where you get free marketing like there are a lot of places you can do that go go to pitch competitions i i actually participated almost like five or six pitch competitions it, there's no money involved there and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you win or not but you're being visible now yeah so the point is not about winning it's not it's just more about your visibility so and and linkedin is an amazing tool uh, there's a tool called sales navigator that helped me a lot i literally in the first 2 years even now i do it i don't have that much time but in the first one and a half year actually i spent 20 minutes every day on sales navigator to, to find contacts i literally even dipin dots the first conversation was through linkedin only sales navigator oh wow yep That's yep amazing. so So and it doesn't you don't have to spend what much the sales navigator extension is only like what 60 bucks a month it's not a lot so yeah. so you have to try i mean i would suggest to try and think outside the bun or things to think outside the, the <laughs> view view of you know uh like okay i have to spend to make money and and try to find alternative ways and you will find a solution i mean i can't we, there's no one guaranteed solution to do that and even see ads are not wrong but then you need to make sure that it works out well right that roi the kpis all these things you need to make sure that they're working on your behalf rather than going against you 
and yeah mm-hmm. you will make mistakes so literally i made a mistake too the first 6 months i believed in one of the food brokers and i gave him a lot of retainer money and he didn't do, he didn't bring me a single sale i made that mistake because i i was not in the food industry so i didn't know whom to believe and whom not to believe so you don't be afraid of those mistakes yeah those mistakes will be expensive but again just 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 don't continue to do that that's what i would say and since then i no matter how many brokers or food food agents approached me i kept selling them i will give you extra commissions if you bring me the product if you bring me the sale rather than give you upfront retainers because how would i know whether you're working hard for it or not yeah for your hard work i'll give it after but not before so so th- those are some things i mean try to find better opportunities or ways and one thing that i still miss is mentors uh it's so it's so hard to find the right person and you won't even know if someone's coming and saying this this and that and whether they're really telling you the what they are or not they yeah. just you know sugar sugar coating what they know so there are a lot of these challenges but yeah the pitch competitions help me make friends like i know a lot of companies ceos are you know the founders right now and those friends are helping me to understand hey should i trust this guy or not you know all these things mm-hmm. yeah it's great and, yeah. and i just wanted to say that it's a very common mistake for like small businesses or new startup owners who didn't really have a background in marketing mm. uh there's just still a bunch of things that you you know it's unless you're in there you won't really think of or understand like yep. the KPIs and the ROIs yep. like you really have to know what the consumer is thinking and build insights into your product mm-hmm. otherwise you're just pouring money down the drain so that's a really good point that you um that you highlighted there Yep and and even that's what i'm saying ads are not bad as long as you know that they work for you and yeah you have to spend some money initially to understand whether if they work for you or not but but don't continue on that just because thinking don't, don't i mean think twice before you say hey i didn't spend enough money that's why i didn't get this roi kpis yeah so yeah so that's that's my that's my suggestion but by, by the way even i haven't figured out about these ads to be frank because i have not explored into <laughs> even i have yeah. not exp- i have not explored into that field yet because i didn't have the need so far but soon i have to because uh, it, i mean as i mentioned right making the first sale because the product is good enough to you know not to make the first sale without any ad but uh, making the second sale or third sale will need the ads and a little more push to the consumers so i'm still figuring that out but again there are a lot of resources try to spend on it try to research on it and just don't jump on it because they ha- you have to do it because others are doing it yeah that makes so much sense thank you for the advice dinesh and i'm really surprised they cut that bit out of shark tank because i think that's super impressive the 2000 to 80000 roi yeah. um and i'd love to know a little bit more about the shark tank experience i didn't even know that as an immigrant <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was interesting i went i as i mentioned after the trade show when i think i i think that was the win that caught their eye one of the producers approached me saying do you want to apply and then this was in 2020 the covid year uh, literally and i said uh, i can, i would love to because i i heard about shark tank i did watch a lot of sh- episodes before i loved that place i mean i like the uh, visibility that it brings in and all that stuff it, i thought it was a dream come true for me in the sense i didn't have a dream that dream okay i i have to go there but it is a nice place it's a good place to be it's a good opportunity to be and when they approached i was just super excited i was like oh i gave all the documentation information and all that and then they came back and said hey you are on h1b you can't you can't come to the can't come to the stage we only taken uh, immigrant like a green cards or you know uh, citizens and that yeah, like, i didn't okay, know that yeah i i said like okay what can i do now i can't i can't help it it's beyond me right i mean that's something that it's not under my control so i thought okay forget it i left it and i i just continued on my own pace and in 2021 they approached me again asking if my status has changed so that's when i told them yeah my status is changing i've got my ead and my green card is about to be processed in the next year or two so and but they said they actually flex their muscles and i mean not like some like they 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 like they became more flexible and they said yeah you can come in right now even with your current status as a visa or also the ead so that's how it started actually it was also new to me and uh, it's very interesting they help you a lot it's not as as hard it seems but yeah once you go on their stage or once you go there on the carpet it's completely you and they grill you one one thing i can actually disclose is it's not as easy as you see on tv because they talk at the same time all the five sharks will grill you at the same time and you have to manage them and the product and the you know it's, it's the, the yeah they try to make sure that the it's they have the hold of their entire process rather than mm-hmm. you having the hold yeah so 
but that again sounds it, very it, intense <laughs> yeah it was very it was very intense to be frank i was sweating by the end uh, it was very hard <laughs> it was not that easy I, by the way i pitched a lot of places i'm i'm i don't have any stage fear i don't have any fear to, to go talk about my product to anyone i didn't have any of those I, it was all smooth but once i went there once people like limps they start started asking me questions and you answering and they it hardly let you finish a statement and it literally i couldn't tell that i sold my home because they cut me off a lot of times so so anyways all those things are there but again in the end it came out really beautifully well i i was surprised by the editing that they did because i i i have <laughs> i have some habits of like when i get really tense i stammer uh so so and i i did stammer quite a bit there but i i don't see that anywhere on the tv they did a very Thank good job editing Thank you for keeping editing. it real here i think people <laughs> wanted to hear that too like you know cuz i'm sure like a lot of people have stage fears and stuff yeah, and yeah. when it gets intense uh, people they could stammer so uh, thank yeah. you for keeping it real yeah. here how did you feel when you're on the carpet i mean like you know like you said you were bombarded with questions and stuff like how did you manage it did you practice beforehand or was it just like you just went in there and then gave it your best um to be frank uh, i didn't do that much practice i should have i made a mistake there but I, again the time is the problem right i have a job two kids and at, at right at the time i was moving from california to north carolina unfortunately you won't get to know when you go there till like two weeks before it so i had no clue that it's going to happen just the week a week after i moved to north carolina i had to go there and because i was moving as a lot of work involved and uh, i i didn't really get practice that much but i was so like see i know i know the product the numbers and all by heart like i i've been doing it myself right it's not that i have a huge team so i have to get gather data and all that stuff i i, I since i've been doing it myself i know most of the numbers by myself so um yeah it was not that hard i mean it was i didn't ha- i felt that i didn't have to prepare that much on answering the questions but yes the part the aspect of getting questions at the same time was very new to me because a lot of times when you pitch to someone else they let you talk but here they won't let you talk that much so the one thing that i utilized was i was like respectfully asking hey uh, let me finish this question and i'll come back to you and but again you can't wait, make them wait long because they'll come back and say hey i'm not interested in me that's why you're not answering my question so that oh my they, gosh. They, yeah so <laughs> that here Kevin O'Leary yeah. saying uh that's why we call this the shark tank. Yeah yeah. Yeah yeah. Actually yeah there are a lot lot of these interesting things that happened. There's also another big story that Kevin did. I can't ex- disclose all the information there but yeah. So I was grilled basically on the valuation because that's what they generally do most of the places, most of the cases. And the product won in the first few minutes itself. They didn't have any issues with the product. They loved it. Everyone loved it. So that's not that was not a problem at all. But it was mostly the valuation and also the the revenue. It was like why is it so low? That's when uh, after I disclosed them saying that hey, I only spent two thousand bucks on this, and they're like oh that that changed their mentality. Initially, I I had a sense that not many would come in, but once I mentioned that, actually that changed their minds. Because a lot of times, what I observed is when you go to like a company which goes and says I have like two million dollar in revenue, not everyone, but most of them, they say uh, they would have spent at least a half a million or a million dollars in ads or you know marketing spend to show that revenue. I, yeah, and, which and, makes it not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and and I told them the other way, and that's when they realized okay. But again, they they. they are sharks so their offers were crazy i <laughs> i thought initially i won't agree with anything beyond 10% uh, but then i had to agree because uh, the four of them go offered and for me at the time like even though i was a little bit more on the money side of it because that they, they somehow made me think about a lot of money side of it but then i get back got back into reality and say this impact is more important so i need one shark to make sure that my dream of 100 million will be possible in the next 2 3 years so that's why i thought a shark will definitely help me do that immediately i i mean i can do that like slowly but if you want to do it faster then yes so yeah that's amazing um <laughs> from your episode i remember daniel um calling you deliciously adorable i thought that was so funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't expect that too <laughs> <laughs> um and i'd love to know more about the post um uh, shark tank i know you kind of shared this a little bit like what happened with the deal but like just kind of your emotions around that and what's next for incredible eats um yeah unfortunately the deal didn't go through i can't disclose all the reasons uh, reasons um but uh, it was it was i mean the negotiations didn't go through beyond, uh, after the after the show they go we go through a strict due diligence period and after that they, that's where the, the discussion start it's only a handshake agreement on the on the tv basically 
So, but again, I was a little upset that it didn't go through because I really thought uh, a shark in my in, in with, with incredible naked really boost forward super fast. Mm-hmm. But but it's I that's okay. That's the ground reality. Um, but I don't want to take someone who doesn't believe in the impact of it as well. So mm-hmm. see, I it's very hard to find an investor who's okay with not ex multiple returns, but but with 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 only impact because that's literally. they might consider it is more like a ngo right a non profit organization so but i i don't do that i don't want to do that either actually i really explored it to be a non profit organization initially but then i realized a lot of non profits uh, it's very hard to implement it because there's no drive there's only i mean one or two people might have the drive but to make the entire pro non profit have the drive it's going to be very hard so i realized okay making it a profitable but reasonable profitable it's like planet first profit next kind of company and uh, yeah and but i thought okay it's okay i i had some companies like some large chains of ice cream i was already talking with and now i have the publicity now i at least have the credibility like for example right previously when i go to a company and say hey i have this product they won't even believe in me how how would they know a dinesh from some guy some guy from california or doesn't matter north carolina he, he just ping me saying that he had a little bit edible cutlery how many people would believe that right how many big companies would believe that so now shark tank actually gave me the credibility so that's that's what i should uh, yeah. be happy about now i can say hey i was on shark tank no, no, they wouldn't they wouldn't question about okay whether this guy had it has any product or not they will definitely yeah. give it to try so that's what i that I, I, that's the good that came out of it and people also i think they love my i think they most of the people whom i spoke with or the comments that i got they could clearly see my passion that's what i wanted mm-hmm. to portray more than the product and uh, yeah and it's it's been a really interesting experience um yeah but i going forward uh, i mean i did get a lot of support by the way as i mentioned right i was in the middle of switch between my 1.0 and 2.0s literally i sold all my 1.0s as much as i can before uh, July, august actually because my 1.2.0s was supposed to be ready by december but because of covid and manufacturing delays it got delayed to push to january and i thought the show will air sometime in february you you will have no clue actually when it will air you'll only get to know 3 weeks before it airs oh so they they surprised me with october 22nd i was like what i don't have the stock what will i sell <laughs> so what what will i sell right but, i mean it's beyond my hands i literally asked them can you change it <laughs> but it, they they don't do that but anyways um after uh, october 22nd then i realized we should do some pre orders um that's that's the only strategy that i had to make sure people can put on some orders but unfortunately pre orders not everyone would want to order right because they have to wait for the product so that but still i i really love the support from the people because i think i got we got about 100k worth of orders just in 3 weeks nice congrats yeah. that's yeah. awesome pre orders pre orders yeah. yeah but you know you're going to fulfill them i'm sure of it <laughs> no we already fulfilled uh, 40% of it all the small oh, spoons nice. all the because the the small spoons we already had the machines at the time of airing but the larger spoons and the sporks we just got the machines this week actually and we're going to start production in the next week and then we'll fulfill it in january cool um well that's really amazing to hear um Dinesh that this is actually helping you propel like just all the things that you've talked about it's like it's come into your life by you know with your hard work and like you know that help from nature that good karma um and i just i love to see that you know you've been able to progress so far in this and like success is on your side because um it's i really do believe you deserve it so if you're ever crowdfunding i would love to invest personally um, <laughs> it's an on air offer <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah no, so i uh, crowdfunding or uh, actually the the previous company already tried to do that uh, but uh they they actually raised i think in kickstart on kickstarter almost like 300k or something and then they, they didn't give the product to anyone so it has this bad uh, aura behind it because the previous companies there's mm. another us based company also who tried to make a seaweed based edible straw and they they raised money but they didn't deliver the product so there was this very bad experiences by people at the crowdfunding side that makes to, sense yeah and that's why i didn't even go there I'm like okay what's the point of me go like already they had two yeah. bad experience i don't want to be the third company to come and say i can do this and then it, it doesn't make sense that's the reason why yeah. i yeah. my hands were tied on that side too that and makes sense i don't sense. really think you think at this point um you you're getting some amazing deals and i'm sure like once covid um you know knock on wood this goes away you'll have some really great deals that will come your way uh, we're sure of it because if you you got them before you know covid hit that they'll they'll continue to come in and um i feel like after this people will really want to you know more people will be going out and 
Yeah, and I believe the next gen, next the next generations, the millennial, the I would think mm -hmm. Gen Z, Gen Zs, and Gen Xs, the next the next folks, they will be more careful about this rather than the current generations or the previous generations, right? Because they it's their life, right? It's their future, literally. Yeah, and there's more education out there for sure. Yeah. I, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Um, so we can find your product, uh, Treasure Hunting in TJ Maxx, uh, if you're lucky, and on Amazon. Is that correct? Uh, no, right now we're kind of out of stock on Amazon because Amazon 2.0 is not live, live yet. Uh, okay. The, uh, but we, you can we can shop it on IncredibleEats.com. Okay. Um, so, guys, keep uh, an eye out. Um, hopefully, it will be back on Amazon for a lot of us. Uh, if not, a Treasure Hunt at TJ Maxx. And if not, you can find it at IncredibleEats.com. And if any of the listeners are uh, very interested in social media, you can help us out. I would appreciate that help because that's something that I've been very, very, very bad at. I feel <laughs> I'm a little older, old, too old for social media. I never had interest even in the, in the beginning on Facebook. And like, at least my time was Orkut, actually. I don't even know if people know what Orkut is now. But anyway, <laughs> <I think so. laughs> anyways, so, so I, I hardly had any interest since the beginning. So it's very hard for me to, I mean, social media is a huge thing for, especially for marketing and the new generation mm -hmm. of people who can actually find new innovative products. But unfortunately, I, because I don't have the time or not the experience, not interest i'm not doing a good job there so uh, yeah i would i would definitely need some help if someone is interested too yeah i'm sure that there would be lots of people interested in this mission and just like i think even your branding is so fun um that i can totally see some cool tiktok videos and reels coming out of this yeah um, <laughs> you, you won't believe that the first tiktok video from a pretty like she has like two million followers on tiktok versus one one lady and she put that video and I didn't even know that she put because I was not even on TikTok. TikTok, and we got a sales <laughs> spike after that. And I, I, we are doing a very bad job with social media. We have to do really good there. But yeah, soon we will do. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so there you go, uh, guys. You know, Ganika just reviewed where you can find Dinesh, and if you want to help with the social media, we'll make sure to put um, that in the comments as well, so you can reach out. Um, and yeah, this has just been the most amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your time, Dinesh. Like, I learned so much, and I just had the most like fun talking about this. Um, and I can't wait to support you too. Um, I'm gonna go like buy some spoons right now. Um, seriously, <laughs> truly incredible job. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So everyone out there, have a great weekend. Have a great uh, rest of the month. Merry Christmas. All those things. <laughs> if you're listening to this before Christmas. Thank, thank you so much. This is uh, this has been really great talking with you both, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. And happy holidays! Happy, happy holidays. holidays! Bye. Want to get a workbook detailing steps you can take for your business today, as well as our top recommendations for entrepreneurs? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot, and email it to contact at thinkida.com. Thank you for listening to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast. We'll see you here next time.